day. Yes, it is. Welcome to the Locked on Lease podcast. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive. This is the Locked on Lease podcast, and we are back. Tonight, the Maple Leafs back on the ice in their first exhibition match against the Montreal Canadiens. It's the first time that we'll be able to see this play team play in four months since the layoffs from the coronavirus. Uh, I am super, super ecstatic. So we'll tee up that game uh, pretty shortly in, in a moment. And then also, we are going to be joined by Sarah Avampato from the Locked On NHL podcast, uh, also from Locked On Lings and or uh, Locked On Kings, and acting as our Locked On Blue Jackets expert. And uh, we'll be going over the season series that was throughout the throughout the Blue Jackets and Leafs series throughout the regular season, which I didn't really realize until I went back and took a look. They haven't played each other since October. They played in the first couple of weeks of the season. They played game two and then uh, like October 21st or something like that. And then didn't play at all again. We're supposed to have one more game before COVID hit and, and shorten the season. But that's it. They had two games back in October and these two teams are vastly different from that point. So we are going to get into that a little bit and talk about you know how different these teams are. What's gone and gone on since then. And then kind of preview a little bit as to uh, what to expect when these two teams collide on Sunday. That's right. Sunday. We're so close to having meaningful hockey, but tonight we have actual hockey anyways. It's a preseason game between the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And it's pretty much actually going to be um, the the same. The They got, what, 13 forwards and 7 defensemen that are going to be uh, ready to go for tonight. So the extra forward is going to be Nick Robertson, who I guess technically could be either Robinson, Engvall, or... Uh, Freddie Gauthier, because all three of those are fighting for two spots, and we'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, defensively, Sandine not going to play tonight, which I thought was a little little peculiar. Uh, they're going to go with um, Marty Marincin, uh, so he's going to end up getting an opportunity tonight in, uh, in some short play as the seventh defenseman there. So uh, other than that, everyone you would expect, you know, the first line, you've got Hyman, Matthews, and Nylander. Second line, Mikheyev, Tavares, and Marner, the third line, as of now, as it looks like, is going to be Nick Robertson, along with Kerfoot and Kapanen. And then you've got Kyle Clifford, uh, Freddie Gauthier, and Jason Spezza. Also, Pierre Engvall could end up sliding and playing some center. Uh, so let's get to what to expect tonight. I'm expecting a little bit of a, a little bit of a sloppy game, to be quite honest with you. It's the first time that these guys are going to be playing in months, um, and. They didn't really have a full off-season to train. They couldn't train. They were quarantined to their homes. They couldn't really go out on the ice. I guess some some guys could who were lived abroad um, and were able to find some ice or whatnot. But, you know, I, I'm not expecting to see the most uh, cohesive units out there tonight. Although, it does seem like it's been uh, pretty pretty good in practice. But then again... You know, when you watch some of those games in practice, some of those scrimmages, uh, you see some of the highlights and you're just like, oh my God, like Matthews and Marner, or Matthews and Nylander, they're right back, you know, they're clicking. Uh, Mikheyev clicking, you know, he's right back from where he left off back when he got injured in, in January. 
And then you got to think to yourself, okay, they're not really playing against D though. Like the, like there was a couple of plays. There were some tic-tac-toe plays where realistically Anderson got left out to dry. And the only reason why he got lit up like a Christmas tree within these, uh, these scrimmage games that the Leafs were playing was pretty well because, um, just there was a lack of defense being played. And I think that's why tonight is going to be so crucial. We need to see what this D can do because, you know, they didn't really want to hurt each other as they go into this whole qualifying round. So, you know, it wasn't full tilt, full force between, you know, the D and the O in practice during um, during the scrimmages during the phase three. But now that we've moved into phase four, now that we're playing against other teams, albeit it is only just a preseason game, so we still might not see 100% go, go, go. But I still believe that we're going to see the game get ramped up a little bit. And we'll now get an understanding of where our uh, our defensive game stands, right? So I think uh, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what Morgan Riley looks like because he hasn't looked great in camp again because they're just not really playing defense to the best of their abilities to say it lightly I suppose but tonight they will because they're playing against another team and they're going to try and limit as many scoring chances as they can break up as many plays as they can and uh and, and play the best hockey that they can at the end of the day so really excited to see what type of Morgan Riley we see tonight and I believe he's going to be lined up with Cody Cece which I've talked about it on this podcast many times. I'm not a fan of it. I do not like Cody CC on the top line or in the top four. I don't like him being given any more than like 12 to 14 minutes a game because I just he just gets exposed, especially when he has to match up against you know a, a top six line because that's who you're sending Morgan Riley out to play against usually, and he just kind of has to piggyback that and he just gets exposed easily. Hopefully that doesn't happen tonight. Hopefully he uh, he took this long break and, you know, remembered how to play hockey. Like when he was a first round pick oh so long ago. And there were high expectations on Cody Cece. Uh, but it's it's gone the wayside since then. But we'll see. We'll see what happens tonight. Um, potentially there could be some more line juggling once they get into games. Perhaps, you know, Travis Dermott ends up moving up a little bit just to see what he looks like on the right side along with with Morgan Riley because personally I would prefer that like I think Muzzin and Hall that's that's a pairing that that I'm set with that's going to be your your shutdown pairing and then you got Riley and CeCe but in my opinion I would rather put Dermot there bring Sandine back out onto the ice and then have Sandine and uh and Barry have that be your third pairing but I'm not the man with the lineup card that's all Sheldon Keefe and I mean I guess we'll have to see what it looks like the good thing is I don't believe that CC is going to have a long leash. It'll, it'll be a very short leash. One or two mistakes over, over these couple of games here, these these preseason games, um, these exhibition games, I don't think he's going to find himself, maybe not even in the lineup, come Sunday night uh, when they take on the Columbus Blue Jackets. So uh, I'm, 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 I'm curiously going to see how that pairing does tonight. Uh, another thing that I'm really looking forward to watching is... Let's see what we get out of Nick Robertson. It seems like he's going to be able to skate on the third line with Kerfoot and Sammy uh, Kasperi Kapanen. I do that every single time. I'm going to like have a, a, a jar where I put a dollar, and every time I say Sammy Kapanen, his dad, instead of Kasperi. But 
Uh, I just think um, it's going to be a good opportunity to see what he can do against NHL talent because if you recall, he actually didn't even get into one preseason game this year after being drafted in the second round. He was just automatically got through kind of the rookie camp, and then once games started to go, he was on the first cut back and uh, went back to the OHL and went on to have a 55-goal season for the Peterborough Beats. So, and, and, and now he's getting an opportunity, played really well in Phase 3, and Sheldon Keefe, he seems to be catching his eye because it's this is now going on four or five straight days of practice where he's sitting on that third line with Kerfoot and Kapanen. So, you know, I haven't been privy to go in and watch these guys play in practice, but I just have to assume that that is something that, you know, he's earned because Keefe is giving him that opportunity. You know, I, I think that Keefe is a guy who is pretty loyal to some players, and if he wasn't, you know, holding his weight, he would not think twice to go back to Engvall. But it seems like uh, he likes what's coming out of Robertson, and he wants to see what Robertson could do against NHL talent. So we'll get an opportunity to see that tonight, uh, which kind of means, well, where does Engvall live? You know, like Engvall just signed a two-year extension earlier this season after playing, a, what, a handful of games, maybe a dozen games into his career, and they gave him a two-year extension. But um, it was it was meaningless. I think it's like a, a mil, a 1.25 mil or something like that a year. So it's not a, ter a huge deal. But, you know, now does he find himself on the outside looking in? Is he going to be the 13th man on this roster and only find his way in in if there is an injury? And um, I think the forgotten thing that I kind of even forgot just because it was so long ago was really towards the end of the season, Pierre Engvall actually played a lot at, at fourth line center and Freddie Gauthier ended up sitting out some games and getting some healthy scratches to allow Engvall to get some time at center. And it didn't go very well, which is maybe why I forgot about it. I chose not to remember it because it just, you know, I think the reason why uh, the, the feeling around uh, Engvall's slope towards the end of the season is because he was thrusted into a position that he wasn't as comfortable with, you know, playing center in the NHL where he was, he was, I would want to say he was excelling, but he was meeting expectations at the wing, killing penalties. You know, he wasn't, uh, you know, he's a good skater. Uh, he wasn't a liability at all. So I think that he was meeting expectations. And then the second that he ended up having to go and play center, it's just more, it's a different game. It's a different mindset. There's more responsibility, and I think maybe it was just a little too soon for him. So he'll probably get an opportunity tonight to see how he looks on that fourth line uh, along with Gauthier, um, and, and I feel like he'll probably also get some time on the third line. You know, these are what the exhibition games are for. You know, you can tinker with these lines all you want. If you want to try that hero line as well at some point with Tavares, Marner, and Matthews all on one line, which I would love to watch that happen in an actual game, uh, I think that that would be fantastic. Tonight's a game to do it, right? Because at the end of the day, whatever score is up on the board at the end of the night, it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect anything. It could be a 12-2 loss, and it really doesn't affect anything except maybe my my heart. And I will have to do the post-game presser and be really, really upset with how things went down and probably think that the world is going to be ending because they lost 12-2 to the Montreal Canadiens. That being said, I do not think that will happen. Um, I do believe that the Leafs will probably end up coming away with the win because this is pretty much, it's not a regular preseason game. This is an exhibition game gearing up for the playoffs. These are players who have been off for four months. So you're not only getting a half lineup, you're getting a full lineup. Like I said, they have their entire lineup who is going to go through and play into the playoffs. And, you know, on top of that, plus the, the extra forward and extra defender, just because they want to get a look at everybody tonight. Um, so I, 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 
I think this is going to be a good game. I, I expect the Leafs to come out firing. They need to come out firing, right? Like, four months off, and you only have two games to shake off the rust and get back into it. You got to get it done quick. And a guy who you're kind of scared to watch tonight, where we were talking about some guys who were excited to watch, a guy who I'm going to be a little, like, really iffy on is Freddie Anderson because if he does get lit up like a Christmas tree and allows 12 goals then we got a problem um because he hasn't looked great in in the practices but then again like I know I mentioned before you know they weren't really playing strong defense in front of him and he was kind of being you know left out to dry plus he was playing against you know the top goal scorers uh on team matthews but you know he hasn't looked great at the end of the day he didn't and he does he is known for getting off to slow starts and if he gets off to another slow start here that's not a good sign for the maple leafs who need him badly if they want to make any sort of run here in the playoffs because Although they do have a backup that they can believe in in Jack Campbell, they will run with Freddie Anderson for every single game, regardless of the outcome from the night before. I truly do believe that. They believe that Freddie is their number one, and they think that he'll be able to to come out and, and, and give them the best opportunity to win every single game. Even if he loses, you know, 4-1, 5-1, 6-1, 7-nothing even maybe the night before, he'll still get that following game and a chance to come out and get a win uh, for, for his team. And, and they they believe in him. They believe in Freddie. They know what he can do because he's done it in so many games. They just happen to be in November, December, and January. And rarely does he have these stellar performances in October and or uh, April and May. So that is something that we're trying to change. The first time that we get to see him playing in August hockey and in June ho- or July hockey. So maybe... Now this is this is his time to shine. Maybe he's a summer man. That's 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 his time to go and and, and play like an all-star goaltender. Let's hope. Let's cross our fingers and hope for that. Uh, but we'll we'll find out tonight how Freddie looks against NHL competition. Uh, okay, so uh, I'm going to give my final prediction for this game, and then after that, we're going to uh, take a quick break. When we return, Sarah Avampato, uh is going to join us to chat about the Leafs and Blue Jackets series. So we'll kind of tee that up a little bit. Um, so before that though, I'm going to give you my final prediction. I am assuming this is going to be a pretty sloppy game. Both goalies aren't going to look great. Uh, the defense will be pretty shaky. There'll be a lot of, uh, breakouts. There'll be a lot of breakdowns defensively. I would assume I'm going to go ahead and say that the, Ooh, let me think. 6-3 6-3 Maple Leafs. That's going to be my guess. 6-3 Maple Leafs. So if you're a betting man, right now, currently, the puck line, they're sitting at minus one. I would take that. The over-under is sitting at six and a half. I would take the over. That is personally what I have done, actually. Uh, I'm not saying go out and bet. Certainly not saying that. But that's what I'm assuming will happen. That's what I'm guessing will happen. And that's what I personally put my money on to happen. So uh, just so uh, there is some full transparency there. All right, uh, let's take a quick break. And when we return, uh, again, Sarah Avampato from the Locked On NHL Network uh, will join us to chat up the season series that happened between the Leafs and the Blue Jackets. All right, so once again, we're going to be joined by Sarah Avampato, uh, right, said Sarah on Twitter, from the Locked On NHL podcast. She's going to be our Columbus Blue Jackets expert uh, this week. We had her on yesterday, and it was fantastic. We talked about 
you know, who's on each team, uh, what's going on with the goalie situation out in Columbus. Today, we're going to focus on what this season series, like what happened in the season series this year, because it's been a while. These two teams haven't played each other since October, so we're going to get into that. Uh, so let me see. Let's welcome Sarah Avapato to the podcast once again. Sarah, thanks so much for joining us again. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to try to remember what happened in October because that was like a year ago at this point, right? <laughs> like almost, like legitimately. It's it's actually insane when you think about it. Two conference, like two teams in the same conference who plays their first couple of games in the first few weeks of the season. And then because of the season being shortened, they actually do not play each other at all after that. So it's been a long time since these two teams have played each other. And there's been so much that has changed in both teams. Like the Leafs don't even have the same coach. Like that was back in the Mac in the, in the Mike Babcock era. Right. So a lot has That's changed right. between these two. I think the blue jackets at the time were not even considered to be like a playoff team. They were like, uh, they had just lost Panarin, just lost Bobrovsky. And they were just trying to find their footing this season before Corpus Allo and, and Merzlikens really kind of uh, pick the team up and put them on their back midway through the season to kind of give them a big push into the playoffs that we see them in now. But at the beginning of the year, like these teams were in totally different spots. And it's just kind of funny that at the end of the season, they still ended up having to play each other in the playoffs. So uh, what we're going to, we're going to do is so, basically what happened back in October, uh, the season series actually split 1-1. So the Leafs ended up winning the first game 4-1, and the Blue Jackets won the second game uh, 4-3 in overtime. And one of the things that I actually remember about that game against the Blue Jackets, I don't have the best, like, photographic memory. I actually have a terrible, terrible photographic memory. But for some reason, one of the, like, one of the one things that has stuck out to me this season that stuck with me uh, all year long was in that 4-3 game, there was a play where Pierre-Luc Dubois went into a, a, a puck battle in the corner with Austin Matthews. And Matthews loses it, and Dubois walks out in front and uh, shelves it. And for some reason, that play has just stuck with me the entire year. And I bashed Matthews for a long time uh, after that, calling him soft, saying, like, he needs to really step it up defensively. And we talked about how that's way back in October. Fast forward now, as we sit here in July, he is a much, much better two-way centerman. And I guarantee you that play happens again here in the playoffs. It's not going to go Pierre-Luc Dubois' way. And I guarantee it. Yeah, I, I would actually love to see a rematch of that. I do think that Dubois is a really underrated player um, and that, you know, as someone who I, I saw him at playing before he was a, a pro in the uh, Traverse City uh, prospect tournament that goes on or I guess used to now that we don't have anything happening anymore uh in Traverse City Michigan and I saw him there right before he went pro in the NHL and I just was like oh this guy like because he was very clearly like the best guy on the ice there's a reason he was drafted very high uh and I just like was like man he is so cocky he is has like so much attitude on the ice like oh can't stand this guy uh and then fast forward to watching him really develop and blossom into a pro and he still has that 
kind of swagger, that attitude about him that I think is what, you know, made him very frustrating to watch as like a 17, 18, 19 year old, however old he was at that time. Uh, But it has kind of blossomed into this player who I think doesn't get quite the attention that he would get if he played on another team uh, that was perhaps a little bigger market or a little more, you know, media darling or whatever. Uh, But I would love to see a rematch of that because just, just as Matthews has improved his game and really uh, worked to not have moments like that again, I think that uh, Dubois also has just really continued to improve uh, as, as a player throughout the season. And, is really one of the most important players for the Blue Jackets uh, and only continues to get better as he gets older. Uh, so I, I'd, I'd love to see that play happen again uh, in, in this series and see, see what happens. Maybe, you know, best of five and uh, yeah. <laughs> see how many times he comes back up with the puck. Yeah, I, I, I do think that uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to need to have a, a fantastic season or a fantastic playoff uh, series if – they're going to stand a chance to beat the Maple Leafs. What is the recipe for success on Columbus's side to try and move forward into the first round of the playoffs by defeating Toronto? What, at the end of the day, if they end up winning, what will be the recipe for why that happened? I think it's going to be a combination of the goaltending being hot at the right time uh, because Toronto does have so many very gifted uh, offensive players that you you need to have strong goaltending you know there, there's no there's no way that you can limit every shot and limit every chance that's going to come at you and so whoever is in net whether it's Corpusalo or Merzlikens like they have to be dialed in uh, the whole time um, defense is an area that I think the Blue Jackets are pretty underrated in. They have two of the better defensemen in the league in Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski. Uh, and seeing them work together, especially on the power play, I think could be a game changer for them. Um, the, the rest of the Leafs or the rest of the Blue Jackets defense is kind of a collection of guys who, yeah. if you, if you ask someone hey. in Columbus, they're going to be like, Hey, I love this guy. <laughs> but, put some respect you know, on number two overall pick Ryan Murray. Come on now. <laughs> right? Like he's he's doing what he he's doing the best that he can. Yeah. Uh but you know, I think that the defense really lives and dies with uh Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski and they're going to need to have really strong performances uh to again to limit those chances to do the best they can to prevent guys like Matthews and Marner uh from getting to the net. Um and you know, knowing how how many people and how many games were lost to injuries in the regular season over completely weird, mundane things, um, the Blue Jackets need some kind of good luck, mojo, whatever, to not immediately have all of their players start getting injured again as soon as these games start. Because right now, um, you know, as we've discussed earlier, this layoff has been great for them because they finally have their roster, uh, which they actually kind of had in October when these two teams played, but it was so early in the season that I feel like they, you know, no one had really gelled yet. Like the goaltending was still a little bit of a mess. Now they've had kind of all season, but also kind of not because 
they haven't really had their full roster at any given time because of all the man games lost to injuries. And, you know, some of them were very weird injuries uh, or very unexpected things. So they're going to need to stay healthy and they're going to need to gel as a team, something that they haven't actually really been able to do all season long. Uh, They lost 419 games officially to injury, Uh, 419 man games lost. Um, Per the athletic who did all of the math on this, uh, the team played 10% of its season with 10 or more starters out of their lineup and averaged six starters out per game. So take your top six and, you know, yet like yank them out. Like, you know, the, the story of Nathan Gerby getting another contract in the NHL is, is great. And he has been, you know, kind of inspiring, especially to players who have been written off for, you know, not being six foot one or whatever, but he shouldn't have been playing for the Blue Jackets. He shouldn't have been in that position to earn himself another contract because they shouldn't have needed him. He should have been down in the AHL becoming, you know, a leader of all these young prospects. Instead, half of the, the, the uh, Cleveland monsters were just yoinked up to the NHL because they had to play. Uh, So I, I think that that is really going to be an interesting thing to watch because they haven't played with their full team since the beginning of the season. So it really feels even more unpredictable than, than any of these series already feel because of the layoff and, you know, people getting healthy or whatever. Uh, the Blue Jackets were unhealthy for so long that it's really hard to even imagine what the team is going to be like now that everyone pretty much is back. Yeah, I think health factor is is going to be huge for for every team coming into the playoffs. Not only the fact that everyone's healthy now, but trying to rev themselves up so quickly also and maybe overdoing it a little bit could end up causing some injuries, right? Like some maybe some tissue injuries or something mm-hmm. that's going to force some players out of the lineup. So I think staying healthy is going to try and be the name of the game for every single team. Um, it's And it's, you know, not everyone is going to stay healthy. That's just the way it is. There's always a couple of injuries and you know, some players can play through it. Some players have uh, more devastating injuries and, and they're going to have to miss time. And that's certainly one thing that is going to play a factor in these playoffs, I do believe. Another thing within this series that I think is going to play a factor is going to be special teams. And uh, one of the things I want to talk about special teams with you specifically is because, uh, is it true that I read uh, that, John Tortorella is bringing out the old school in him, and they're going with a 2D top-pairing defensive unit uh, up on PP1. They are, and if you look at the Blue Jackets' power play success rate in the regular season, you might see why they decided to do that, Um, because they had a 16.4% conversion rate on the power play. Bottom three or yes. bottom five in the league. Yes, they were not very good. They were surrounded by teams, including the Los Angeles Kings, the Blackhawks, the Red Wings, the Ducks, and the Senators. That is not company you want to be in. For so those keeping play... score at home, none of those teams uh, – that's a lie. The Blackhawks are – I was going to say none of those teams are in the playoffs, but actually Chicago did end up somehow scheming themselves into the playoffs good old nhl uh, 
Yeah. So I guess that 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 point is moved, I suppose. But still, like bottom five in the league, that's something that they certainly do need to try and upgrade. And when you have two guys on the back end like uh, Zach Wierenski and and like Seth Jones, I do actually really like that option. And you know, Columbus. When we're talking about this series between Toronto and Columbus. I think it's funny that these two teams uh, are, are kind of set to go up against each other because they're so different, right? Like I think Toronto is a very, you know, speedy, high octane, high flying, um, dangerous offensive team. And then Columbus is quite literally the opposite. They're very reserved, very structured, uh, defensive minded team. Um, they're, they're kind of a, a more rugged and they'll just try and grind you down and they're going to try and limit scoring chances and try and limit games to, you know, two, one, three, two, uh, hockey games. And they obviously hope to be on the winning end of them. So when you look at it, they're not built with the amount of, of goal scores and playmakers that Toronto has, which is why they run out, you know, a four forward and a D, uh, power play unit. Columbus just doesn't really have those star wingers or star goal scorers up front. And to be honest, some of their best players are on the back end. So it totally makes sense for them to do this. Yeah. And I think that when you look at the stats from the season, just in terms of points scored by players, that also sort of tells the story. Zach Wierenski was second on the team in goals with 20. And so that raises two big alarm flags. One, a defenseman is second on your team in goals to 20 goals was enough to be second on your team. Uh, you know, so that kind yeah. of points to the, the scoring issues that they have had. And also again, the lineup issues and the roster issues they've had, the, the blue jackets played 36 different players this season um, in, in games because of injuries and having to call people up and all of that. And so Orensky is, uh, definitely someone who can score, uh, who is also strong defensively. Uh, Seth Jones is sixth in overall scoring on the on the Blue Jackets. He had 30 points in 56 games, um, which is down from last year. But he also, you know, missed a chunk of time uh, because of injury. And I think that if if the Blue Jackets are looking to jumpstart their their power play, uh, because their penalty kill was okay, it wasn't great but it wasn't you know bottom of the league like the power play um yeah like yeah it's mediocre like could be way better but middle of the pack yeah like nothing to write home about but you know not not a complete travesty but that power play they they knew it was a problem and they are i i you know applaud the fact that they are trying something different and you know of course leave it to john tortorello to be like we're gonna do this like let's see what happens um but i think that it seems like the team is feeling very positive about it um and it's kind of a thing that maybe no one expected them to roll out uh but it seems to be working and so i'm going to be really excited to see this in action uh because i'm sure that it'll happen fairly quickly that we see it uh deployed in a game but i think that you know, with both of those guys on that power play, on that same unit, uh, and knowing that they are both gifted defensively and so can help, you know, keep the puck in and keep creating chances chances uh, to, to score, uh, but also that they are guys who 
put the puck in the back of the net, Wierenski especially. Um, I'm really excited to see it because it's not, it's not what you usually see, especially now. Um, I feel like now, like you're going to see teams be like five forwards, who cares? Like the, the whole model of how you do power plays just seems to be shifting, you know, every time we, we look at it, but I, I'm, I'm excited to see how it works. It'll be interesting to see how uh, the Maple Leafs defend against it. But I, I think that when you have two guys like that, why not put them on the same unit, see what happens. And if it doesn't work back to the drawing board. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, I think it takes a lot of guts. Well, I, w- I shouldn't say a lot of guts. It's, it's really, it's something that used to happen all the time, but nowadays it just seems so far fetched to have two defenders on your, on your power play unit. Um, so I, I, but I do like the move that's made by John Tortorella and, you know, it's one of those, you know, coaching savvy coaching moves that he's made. And, you know, I think you talk about what happened last year with Columbus and, and with them coming over with getting a sweep against the NHL's best team in, in two decades um, in uh, the Tampa Bay lightning last season. And, you know, you could just tell that a lot of that was just because John Tortorella just flat out out coached uh, Cooper. Right. I think towards, um, and there's a good reason why he's nominated for the Jack Adams this year. I think Tortorella, and this is something that scares me a little bit from a Maple Leafs perspective. Um, if these are quick little five game series, I feel like coaching could play a factor. And the fact that Sheldon Keefe has never, ever been on the bench for a playoff game. He doesn't, I mean, he's played in the NHL, so I guess he has an idea, but like, being on the bench in a playoff game, there's a lot of pressure and a guy like Tortorella who's won a cup before he's made cup runs many, many times. Um, and, and then last year you saw him, you know, defeat the best team in the league and just flat out out coach them throughout that whole series. And that's something that worries me a little bit. Is there that sense of, uh, kind of an X factorist or a calmness factor within Columbus because you guys do have a coach who could end up playing a factor into this series just based sheerly on the fact that he's one of the, the most veteran coaches out there and the Leafs legitimately has never coached a game in the playoffs in his life. He's a rookie head coach in the NHL and he hasn't even had a full season um, behind the bench as a whole, let alone playoffs. Yeah, I think that it definitely could be a factor and you know, knowing also the unpredictability in many ways of Tortorella and that he, he could be someone who's hard to coach against because you don't entirely know what he's going to do next. You know, the whole two defensemen on a power play thing is probably not something that, you know, most coaches would have been you know, preparing their, their arsenal against, and yet here we are. Uh, and I actually was, you know, kind of fortunate enough to talk to John Tortorella uh, last year uh, after he uh, kind of got his, uh, his milestone in 600 NHL wins. I talked to him for USA Hockey, and he talked a lot about his, um, his kind of changing philosophy and the way that he coaches. And he is someone who really does, for, for all the grief that he gets for being, you know, very outspoken and not afraid to just, you know, call things as he sees it and doesn't really play the kind of like, well, you know, we'll see game that we, we see from a lot of other coaches. Um, He really has tried to evolve with the times, which I think that a lot of people who don't watch him 
quite as closely or who aren't fans of him are going to think is wild. But um, when, when he and I spoke, he talked a lot about the fact that he now more than ever in his career likes to give players just the room to play. And he tries not to give them too much instruction, tries not to give them too much detail or too much corrections. He just wants them to play their games. And on a squad like the Blue Jackets, where everything also feels kind of unpredictable because of, uh, you know, kind of getting the lineup together for the first time, everyone's healthy, you don't really know what's going to happen. The whole situation is weird with the bubble and the long layoff. Um, The fact that he could just kind of look at this collection of guys and be like, you know what, just go out there. I trust you, go do it and, and, and see what happens and see how those guys respond to him. I think could be a really interesting factor. And yeah, like you said, Sheldon Keefe has never been here as a coach. And, you know, I think he, quieted a lot of the doubters as he managed to sort of right the ship for Toronto as the season went on. But uh, it's very much, you know, old guard, grizzled grit coach versus, you know, new, young, hot analytics minded uh, coach. And I I feel like this could be a coaching battle as much as it is uh, about the players on the ice. Uh, 100%. It was a 1-1 series tie through the regular season. And I think the Maple Leafs have the advantage when it comes to special teams. I think that Columbus has the advantage when it comes to coaching. So once again, we're tied at 1-1. And you're going to join me again tomorrow, and we'll talk about who the X factors are going to be to try and tip over that team to see who will end up taking this series and who's going to be the X factor, who might be the unsung hero. So we'll make those as well as our final predictions in tomorrow's show. So everybody be sure to come back and uh, listen to that show tomorrow. Uh, Sarah, thanks so much for joining me here today. And uh, well, we'll chat again tomorrow. Can't wait. Again, so thank you so much to uh, Sarah Avampato for coming on and chatting some Blue Jackets hockey with me. Uh, it's going to be a fun series. I really do b- believe it's going to be a good one. Um, you know, they split it 1-1 back in the regular season, but that was back in October. These two teams, both of them, completely, completely different. Like, we don't even have the same coaching staff for, for Pete's sake. So um, this is going to be a completely different game than we saw back in October. It's basically like they're starting from square one. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to see how things shake out. Uh, All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Honestly, guys, enjoy the game tonight. The first time since March that we'll get to watch the buds in action on the ice against another NHL team, and I can't wait. So truly, truly do enjoy that. Uh, I'll be back again tomorrow uh, to recap the game that happens tonight. So be sure to check back for that one. Um, That's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and subscribing and supporting the show. Uh, Subscribe to the show uh, to the Locked On Leafs podcast and all podcasts and platforms. If you haven't done so already, you'll receive daily Leafs content. That's right. We're back to five shows a week. 
every single day, Monday to Friday. So be sure to check back each and every day for your Leafs news. All Leafs all the time. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. And if you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Lockdown NHL podcast where myself and four other Lockdown hosts discuss the latest news around the entire league. As for this show, I will be back once again tomorrow to recap tonight's game against the Montreal Canadiens. Enjoy it, everyone. Until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.